Morning, Matt. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Very cold. Very yeah, cold. same. It's uh, freezing out there. Does your house retain heat? No, it's terrible. Mine's it's, the same. It just yeah. dissipates. In fact, I was upstairs yesterday. I, I, I was just I leant against a wall and put my hand against it. How cold the mm. wall is! And, and I've seen these products. We get um, it's almost like wallpaper lining paper, but it's got yeah. like a few mil of foam. And the thermal value of it, it says like it's equivalent to like twenty centimeter of concrete because concrete's just so, or any kind of stone is just so terrible. You think you've got nice thick walls, but but then airflow is um, and lime plasters and all that people talk about. And it's so complicated. There's so much contradicting information. Some people tell mm. you this is the way to do it, and other people that this would have been a living room, dining room, and it's been knocked into one. Which is lovely. When I came and looked at the house in the summer, I was like, oh, this is so nice. It's all open plan. And then the staircase is open as well. So there's no one room you can heat. Yeah. But that has motivated me to build a workshop. So have you made much progress on that then? I have. Um, Ooh. It was, I think I showed it in my shop tour. I think I did it in December that there was actual frost on the inside of the workshop when I was working in December, because we had that really cold snap early December, a bit like now, and it was just miserable. And actually, I think it was just dangerous because you're just rushing everything and you're not concentrating, and it was just horrible. And I came in the house and I was like, nah, that's it. I'm done for the year. It's just, can't do any more. It means I won't have any videos in the bag when I go away for Christmas, which I really wanted. This is news to you you Keith and to the audience but my dad's not been very well for a while and he passed away last week sorry to hear that Matt thank you um but I've got had three weeks to the funeral and I've been going down there every two weeks it's the longest period I've been at the house for six months now yeah so I was like you know what I want to keep busy I'm sick of being cold and I've got three weeks so I'm going to build the workshop I started it the base and it's just been it's been hard work to be honest because of the weather like yeah. I, I got the timbers down and then I wanted to paint them and they're covered in frost I'm scraping the frost <laughs> off and then trying to get it in the sun to dry off and yeah I've got a tarp over the base at the moment but I started framing one wall yesterday and after this podcast I'm hoping to get the other three walls framed and then maybe actually get some walls up tomorrow and yeah, I've got this deadline, obviously, got to go to the funeral. So I'm either going to get built by then or it just kind of flat packed by then because I yeah. can't leave it halfway. Cannot wait to have one room that I can heat. And I mean, to be honest, the time I get it done, it's going to be end of Feb, probably, time I finish it. And then it's going to start getting into spring by then. Well, we could get snow still, but mm. yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a video about my dad. Uh, not that we were particularly close. Mm. In fact, it was very complicated, a lot of it. But he owned two DIY shops as I was a kid. Yeah. And like with a wood yard, had lots of tools. So I've actually gone around and collected and bagged up a lot of his very old tools. Like he got chisels and planes for his 21st birthday. Yeah. So I'm going to take those. Yeah. Um, and I filmed just me walking in the garage and showing all the stuff. Uh, and the, everything's rusty, so like I'm gonna do a video about it, restore them, hang them on my wall. That's so cool. It's uh, people like the bit of history, don't they? Yeah. I've just got to try not cry because I cry oh. at everything. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I'm fine until I say anything out loud. Well, this That's is the, the trouble. Yeah. 
I took the shed down and there's a concrete base under it and then there's some other concrete that's maybe 12 centimetres higher all round it. And then I was like, you know what, if I just scale it back, I could just get it all on the one level pad, mm. which will also reduce the height of it because it'd be on the lower bit of ground. But I'd already built the floor for the workshop in theory because it was in the tent. And all I was yep. going to do is, to be honest, I think I was naive on that. I thought I'd be able to pick it up and drag it out. But actually, I think it'd be far too heavy for me to move it myself. So I've been taking the floor apart and salvaging all the timbers from it to use on this, which also means because I've scaled back, there's enough wood in it to do the in the floor to do the base and the roof of the new one. Oh, wow. When it was freezing and I came back in New Year and I was so unmotivated, so I was like, I don't want to go back out there. Maybe I'll just buy a metal shed because I was like, you can get like a 12 foot by 10 foot one for like just under 500 pounds and put it up in a day. And I was like, wow. Not that that really solved the warmth problem, but I think he was moving the tools in and out and the bandsaw and things like that. It's so difficult. Yeah. I was so close to buying one. I had it added to my basket. I was going to do it. And I went on a walk and thought about it. Like, you'll regret it. Mm. You'll regret doing it. The good thing about online builders, merchants like Wix, and we've spoke about this before, is you can, if you want to cost something, you can just add bits to your basket and see what the price is. Yeah. And I did that with the scaled back size. And like, I can build it for maybe £800. And like, oh... I was going to spend £500 on a metal shed, but for £300 more, I can get a wooden one that's kind of the same spec, as in it won't have any insulation or anything, but I can add that in the future. As if you want to spec up a metal one, it's you basically have to build another shed inside a shed, really. Yeah, and I guess if you get it built by the summer, you don't need to worry about insulation until next winter then. Exactly, and I might do it, you see how the money is, but... I want it to have windows and in the metal one obviously wouldn't and I'd I would just I would hate it. I'd love it maybe for a week because I'd have the tools at my house, but then I'd regret it. And I might buy a metal one anyway because I need somewhere to put my lawnmower and tinsel paint and all that. Yeah, with, with the metal sheds though, obviously the most common problem is the whole condensation on the roof yeah. issue. Have you got a plan to tackle that? No. Uh, the ones I looked at have vents in. I'm not sure how much of a problem it is if you're just storing inanimate objects in there and not actually mm. going in there. Again, I might not do. I might I might get my mojo back. Because obviously, well, I've just said, I've had other things going on in my life. I have a woodworking channel. It's stupid to build a metal shed. Yeah. Maybe I just build a wooden shed like you did. I imagine you probably could have bought one cheaper than what you built one for. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, even though I did it relatively on a tight budget, I still could have bought one for much less. But you had the spec you wanted, and you had... I imagine that's a very popular video for you. It's been crazy popular, and also yeah. it's just a lot more rigid and strong, because yeah. obviously you you tend to get sort of one-by material, the, the prefabricated sheds. Yeah. Really flimsy. Yeah. I mean, I took my shed down, and it was amazing how you'd take out, like, ten screws, and that's it. Hmm. It folds flat. And the floor was rotten and the roof had gone. So it was just four panels. I put it on Facebook Marketplace free to someone and someone bit my hand off to come and get it. So it was great. And they were yeah. really happy. Yeah, it's been a, a busy start to the year. Exciting, yeah. Yeah, I am excited to have it done. When it's minus one in the mornings or minus three, I think it was yesterday when I was out there doing stuff, it's like, this is 
horrible. But then the sun comes out, and it was... It's not so bad. It's yeah. not so bad. Yeah. And and actually, you just... By the end of the day, you feel you've accomplished, accomplished something. I know you've said you enjoy the big projects, and there is something... Yeah. Nice. About the end of the day, you got this big thing built, and you feel physically tired. Yeah, like you've achieved something. It's my birthday on Sunday, and everyone's everyone. I only know about three people, you included, have wanted to come and visit <laughs> me, and I've turned them all down because I'm like, I just want to, just want to crack on. Yeah, I, I would, I would take some time off after the funeral and mm. do things but at the moment no I'm just going to get my head down but then my friend Sarah who I've not seen for about 10 months her birthday's the week after mine and she, so she wanted to come up yeah she's lost someone close to her last year so I think we're going to have a nice weekend but that's motivated me even more to get the the walls up and it kind of watertight by then because yeah. I can't relax when I'm halfway through a big project I just want to continue because I've scaled back the size I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm sure I have. That yeah. it's it's so easy. I, it would have been harder to lift the walls if I'd gone to the full size and do mm. it on my own. And I hope I won't regret making it smaller. But my thought is, I could just build a second one. The garden's quite long. Yeah. If I was building a big one, I wouldn't have got it done in these three weeks. It wouldn't have even contemplated it. And I don't have the money. But it's going to be the smallest workshop I've ever had. Is it? Yeah. So how much smaller? The original plan was three metres by six metres because okay. that's what the tent is. So now I'm doing four metres by, I was going to say 2.4, but it's uh, about 2.5 metres. Okay. It's going to be smaller, but I don't think it's going to feel yeah, claustrophobic. I'm trying to remember the size of my old workshop. I think it was a similar width to yours, but I think yours is still longer, so it's still slightly longer than my old workshop. And uh, when I think back to the projects I managed to do in there... I've left like a parking space out the front of the workshop. So I've got a concrete slab that's the size of a parking space yeah. right out the front door. So nice. if I need to cut any sheet goods down, that's perfect. Or put anything big together. Sorry, everyone, I'm really monologuing. No, no, you This is the it. most I've spoken to anyone in it's two It's far weeks. more interesting than anything I've got to talk about as well, so... I had... The shepherd's hut was long and thin, long and thin at the end of the garden, so the door was in the middle of a long wall and opened inwards. Yeah. I'd leave the door open a lot, and then the door's taking up yeah. room in the, the room, and getting anything long in... It wasn't great. The door would be much better on an end. So the door's yeah. going to be on the end of this one and it's going to open outwards. Even though I'd built a few shepherd's huts, that was my first workshop I'd built. And I think I learned a lot about what I wanted. And same with the windows. The windows were like 80 centimetres off the floor because I hadn't really thought about it. I just bought the cheapest windows that I could get online. Yeah. And they were kind of the wrong size. So when you pushed a workbench up, you were covering 10 centimetres of the window. Oh, yeah. But you don't know until you do these things yeah it's how you learn isn't it or you learn to do 3d design and draw it all out but yeah. i just i've literally i've got a scribble on the back of my notepad of <laughs> the design for this and i'm just doing it and that's my favorite way to work which i think we've discussed before that sometimes we do plans and sometimes you just it's all in my head right i'll stop monologuing what have you been up to did you have a good christmas and new year yeah, it was really good. Thank you. Um, you know, all of December, I, I was feeling a little bit run down and like I wanted to take a decent break in January. 
and then I had like maybe two days off over Christmas and for some reason I just had all of these ideas I don't know what happened but I just got hit with some serious motivation and I just started working instantly and had a whole new lease of energy I don't know where it came from I mean I've got three videos well four videos ready to be published and, and that never happens for me <laughs> that's a very very rare occurrence we've just been having a bit of a sort out around the house really um, and there were things that we wanted to move around and I thought that the first kind of hurdle in doing that was going to be getting our storeroom which is an old single garage um, attached to our bungalow renovated is a bit of a stretch it didn't, doesn't really need renovation it's just that it needed a few tweaks um, a few weeks ago I did a video about mold damp and condensation how we solved all of those things in our bungalow thinking that I'd completely resolved the issue but when, when <laughs> I went to work on the storeroom the plan was to do a first video which was about insulating the walls but as soon as I kind of emptied the room, I found out that we haven't resolved our mould problem. The walls are absolutely fine, but the floor is mouldy. So the first video, which was supposed to be about insulating walls, turned out to be about damp proofing the floor. And I also need to do a future video about what's happened is basically some of the building work that was done here decades ago has compromised the DPC. So I need to cut out some of the concrete around the room to lower the floor level. I will need to do some concreting work and obviously I want the concrete to cure properly and doing it in frosty weather just isn't the time. So so I did a, the damp proofing video, then I did the insulating plasterboard video and then I did a flooring video and basically that's the storeroom all done and we've moved everything that needed to go in there inside. So I haven't really been doing any woodworking to be honest, it's all been home stuff. You have been busy. I find that with anything house related though, you go, oh, I'm just gonna do this one job, which would be relatively simple and it turns into a nightmare. Yeah, and also because we had so much stuff stored in there, all of that stuff has to live somewhere else. So we've got stuff in the kitchen, we've got stuff in our old shower room, we've got stuff in the utility room, and we've just been clambering over all of that stuff for weeks. So it's oh. nice to have everything back in its place but i'm sure you can relate to that with your tools it's, in your kitchen it's it, it's, <laughs> it's gone past tools in the kitchen because i took the shed down so oh, that had garden tools in about four pallets all the glass for the windows and then i've got all the wood delivered for this which i can't put in the tent because i need to i need the floor of the tent for the build um yeah so it's all in my living room and I'm tripping over it. Like I have to walk sideways to get to the, <laughs> the bathroom to get past things. Sounds like you've got loads of storage then. If you've got a workshop, that's a double garage, wasn't it originally? Yep, the workshop's a double garage. We've got the shed, which is, but it's a, it's a good sized shed. And then we've got a storeroom as well, which is bizarre, I know. Um, but it still feels like we need more space sometimes, strangely. <laughs> I was um, watching one of Peter Millard's vlogs probably a couple of weeks ago now, um, Patreon channel, so the members zone thing. Um, but yeah, he was talking about how he's possibly doing a video about birch ply alternatives. And he'd found this um, maple plywood, maple veneer plywood, which looked absolutely beautiful. The face veneer looked very similar to, to birch ply. But then he said about the price and... <laughs> And also how thin the face veneer is. It's just a very, very thin. It's £180 per sheet. So 
And he said he said it was even more expensive than he can get Birch Ply for at the moment. So, <laughs> so Birch Ply hasn't come down. I don't look because um, it's not something you can get from like the standard builders merchants, is it? Birch Ply. So it's mm. not a price I see. A lot of people can't even get it, let alone really? let alone pay a premium for it. It's yeah. I mean, I haven't even tried recently. I'm, I'm quite fortunate because I've got a couple of sheets. Not. It's not 18 mil though. I think I've got a six mil and a 12 mil, but I haven't really got any projects lined up for it. So every every time I look at it, it's like, wow, this is wasted on me at the moment. I'll definitely use it at some point. Actually, I could um, ask your advice. I just thought about something plywood related, and uh, people can comment down below if they're watching this on YouTube. I insulated the last workshop with 50 mil rock wall in three by two studs and I was going to go up to four by twos for this one so that I could put thicker insulation in but then it, you lose a lot of floor space obviously thicker the walls and the cost I've scaled it back down but I think actually the walls were fine the weak points were the door it was just a tongue and groove um, oak door that I'd been given and it was warped so it never closed properly it's like probably would have had no problems if I had a decent door so my thoughts are, I build a frame of 4x2s and then skin it on the outside with some marine ply and then I can fill it with insulation and put another skin on the inside and then paint it. Um, I have never used plywood for an exterior purpose. Mm. Have, have you? The only time I've used plywood for an outdoor surface is the bird boxes that I made that I'm looking at out of the window right now. And they are holding up okay at the moment, but they've only been up there maybe a year and a half, two years. Um, but I have heard people mention that it does eventually delaminate, mm. which is unbelievable considering the price you pay for that stuff. Yeah, so wicks do something i think they call it uh sheathing ply for and you see it don't you on round building sites all these plywood mm. uh, screens up uh obviously this is not going to kind of get direct rainfall like a birdhouse it would you know if driving rain were hit it and i would paint it mm. and i could repaint it every couple of years so i guess sometimes you just got to say these things out loud like I'll probably do that, and then what's the worst that happen? It delaminates, and I make a new door. Exactly. It's not like if I'd done my whole workshop exterior out of it, that would be a bit of a problem. But um, yeah, for just the door, yeah, as long as you seal up the edges quite well, I would imagine it would last a good few years. It's it's just my only hesitation on it would be the cost of it because it does cost so much money. The marine ply. Yeah, so marine ply is probably the wrong word because I say wicks do this exterior sheathing stuff oh, and okay. it's not expensive. Right. So the why I like the idea of having a sheet good is it braces the door. If you've got yes. a solid sheet, mm. so the other option was tongue and groove, but you don't really want to glue tongue and groove. The whole point is it expands and contracts, so it doesn't actually help with bracing whatsoever. It's just a skin. Mm. Yeah, so, so Medite, their new exterior MDF MTX. would be perfect. It's expensive. Yes. Uh, maybe a side note, I did contact them and they got back to me within half an hour going, 
yeah, sorry the last thing didn't work out. I'll forward this on, get back to you soon. And then, well, it must be on three weeks now, and I've not heard anything. If you had the MTX, you could probably get away with like six or nine mil. I might look at the price of that, actually. Then it's getting it as well, isn't it? Because you're getting it delivered and you only need one sheet of something. Yeah. Is always... I don't want to pay £40 delivery. Mm. If only you could get it through any normal means. So when I've done a garden room before, you've got stud work, then OSB, then a breathable membrane, then battens, then an exterior cladding. Yeah. So I was thinking if you use this new fancy MDF, you could just do stud work, MDF, lose the breathable membrane, lose the OSB, lose the battens. You're yeah. from four things to one thing, which reduces the footprint of the building significantly. So you can have more floor space. It reduces your workload a lot. Yeah. And with framing the walls, you could, I would often put the OSB on and then lift the walls. So you're lifting the walls up and that's it, done, really. So I thought it was an interesting idea. But yeah, it's hard to get hold of and it's expensive. But I'm not mm. sure it'd be, if you get it for like 100 quid a sheet, I think it'd actually be cheaper than buying mm. cladding OSB or that. But also it's, I couldn't find the technical specifications like, is it breathable or would you need to put some kind of vapour barrier inside yeah, I don't know either, but I should imagine they've got a whole technical team there, but I should imagine they're the ones who could answer that. Mm. Hello, Matt here. It takes us quite a lot of time to prepare and produce each episode of this podcast, and we'd like to keep putting it out for free. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to help support and shape future episodes, you can find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes or just search online for Workshop Banter Patreon. Thank you, and now back to the podcast. One thing I have been thinking about recently is workshop clothing. Um, I was out with my mates uh, last month, and, and it occurred to me that I spend time sorting my hair out and wearing nice clothes when I go out with my mates. And then it's never occurred to me to make any sort of effort when I am in front of thousands of people on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So I just pretty much roll out of bed... <laughs> Don't sort my hair out, put on some scruffy clothes, get in front of a camera. And yeah, I'm in front of thousands of people, but it's never really occurred to me that I should probably make a bit more of an effort to look tidy. All of my work clothes are pretty much just old clothes that I've got paint on. You know, they're scruffy and they're a bit of a mess. So I've spent some money on some, uh, they're called cargo trousers. They're kind of like denim-y kind of fabric. They've got a drawstring waist, which I like because I can never be bothered to... Well, it's not that I can't be bothered to do a belt up, but I just find them quite uncomfortable when I'm working, whereas a drawstring waist is just a bit more comfortable for me. But you've got loads of pockets down the legs and stuff as well. So I found like a few pairs of them on sale on ASOS for like 14 quid each. So I bought like three pairs of them. It's just um, looking less like a sack of potatoes on, on camera, basically. I've definitely devolved. I think when I first started... I used to wear waistcoats in every mm. video and I used to try and look smart. I remember, yeah. And especially this week doing the workshop build, I could not care less. It's it's just cold and I'm just going to keep warm and I've got a silly bobble hat on. In my Amazon wish list for a year, I've had a pair of dungarees and mm. they only cost like 22 quid. But you know, it's working, especially when you're bending over and you're t-shirt comes untucked and you have that cold air going up your back and like yeah 
dungarees would solve that. And I thought if I just put, I've got one of these padded shirts on today, over the top of it, no one would know they're dungarees. That's a clever They'd technique. They just look like jeans, because I'm definitely not going for the dungaree look. Not cool enough to pull that off. Well, one of the biggest problems when you're doing work on camera is the whole builder's bum thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because my crevice comes out <laughs> whenever I'm bending over, unfortunately. I don't know about you, but I've had a big issue with buying t-shirts that are long enough. Long enough, enough yeah. You, you try them on, they're like, oh, these are perfect. You wash them, and then they're like two inches yeah. shorter. Well, I'm quite skinny, so I kind of need a large for length, but then it's baggy on me. But I have to say, this is, this is middle-aged chat here. <laughs> Marks and Spencers do do a big and tall range, so you can ah. get the fit you want, but with about two inches longer. That sounds good. Yeah, but I'm now a huge fan of braces. I've been wearing braces for years. I, again, this no one needs to know this information. I don't have much of a, a bum, so I have to wear a belt. But if I have things in my pockets, and I, during the day, my pockets seem to get more and more full. As yeah. like, oh, I've got 17 tape measures now and four Stanley knives. I can relate to that. So, you, so your trousers are falling down, as with braces, they're just there, or suspenders to our American audience. But yeah, I used to dress smart, and then I, I think it all really stopped when I moved up north i think i felt more creative when i was in hampshire and the projects i think were more creative i feel when i was up north they got more practical maybe because i started with the workshop build and things and then so you're dressing more in your padded knee trousers because you're doing that kind of work and stuff with paint on so you wear a lot of these kind of big shirts are they like quilted on the inside yeah. are they nice and warm this is not an advert, but these are Dickies ones. Mm. These used to be like 25 quid. And I must have had these for five years. And it's covered in paint and glue and stuff. But there's not one thread pulled or hole. Like, yeah, they're really great. And they're, they're poppers. The bit that I'm confused by is because it looks like a woolly kind of material. So it does sawdust stick to it, if you know what I mean. Like, No, not found no. that at all. All right a big fan of the padded shirts and I've got so many layers on now I've got one of these snood things to cover my <laughs> face one thing I bought myself that I thought I wanted and haven't really worn it is a, um, a gilet right I bought Carhartt one it's got kind of the fluffy that looks like a lining that looks like it's a sheep I forgot what they call that stuff. Is it Sherpa? That's the stuff. That's what I've got in, in my hoodie now. Yeah, I, I wear it all dyed green when I'm in the house because it, it does keep you warm. That looks really good one. So I bought this thing because thinking it's nice not to have something on your arms if you're trying to do something. Yeah. Your sleeves get in the way sometimes and it's got nice pockets for your hands. But I bought that thinking this is going to solve all my problems. <laughs> Work boots is something. Someone messaged me about them the other day because I've been wearing the same pair of Blundstone steel toe cap Chelsea boots for five, six years now. So are Chelsea boots the ones that don't have laces? You can just like, yeah. pull them on. Yeah, I'd really like a pair of those. I love them because when you're going in and out of the house and you've got dirty feet, you can just kick them on and off. Yeah, and they've held up really well. I think they were... Over £100. These are expensive boots. Mm. But the fact they've lasted so long. I mean, they've got holes in the soles. I can see the steel of the steel toe caps. They've, But I've abused them. I've never but they still them. do their purpose. That's, they still do their purpose. Has, yeah. I reckon they've at least got another year in them. Yeah. 
yeah, I might have to invest in some of those. See, in terms of footwear, I'm terrible because I always just buy the cheapest good brand of running shoes that I can find purely, mm. again, for comfort. I usually buy shoes secondhand on eBay for the workshop. I tend to buy like Adidas or Nike or something like that because they just hold up a lot better over time for wear and tear. But they, they do take a fair amount of abuse, but work boots would definitely be more appropriate, especially because I'm, I've been doing more kind of DIY stuff and less workshop-based woodworking yeah. stuff. So comfort isn't the only priority anymore. It's, a, it's more about durability. So maybe we should do an Instagram poll and see if people think we should turn this from a woodworking into a fashion podcast. <laughs> But no, I love steel toe cap boots and I use the steel toe caps to lean things on all the time. No wonder they're worn through then. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But if you're picking something up, sometimes you just pick the corner up and then I rest it on yeah. my toe so I can get my <laughs> hand under it. Or you're laying something down and you don't, you've don't. got your fingers under it so you don't want it to pinch. You just lay it down onto your foot. I've given up buying cheap shoes because the last couple of years I've had real problems with my feet hurting one foot in particular and i started doing some research and this blew my mind that your feet can grow up to the age of 40 half a size a decade really so i don't know when last time i measured my feet like 14 15 years old yeah also i was a size 12 but the size 12 was the maximum you could buy back then because you still had to go to shoe shops <laughs> And so I think I've measured my feet again, and like I'm a size 13, so I've been wearing the wrong size shoes. Mm. And I bought barefoot shoes. I don't know if you've heard of these. So this is our... Sorry, people. We will get to some making soon. <laughs> but I find this interesting that most shoes have heels or are wedge-shaped. You're, you're tilting forward and you correct your posture by actually leaning back. Right. Which is terrible for your back. And obviously, for most of human history, we've either walked barefoot or with just a bit of leather yeah. under our foot. It's only the last couple hundred years we've been wearing shoes. And heels came about because to ride a horse, you need heels for stirrups. And therefore, only rich people had horses and rode. So it became fashionable to have a heel. Oh. And that's the only reason you have heels on shoes. There's no practical kind of purpose, that's even though crazy. it's terrible for your back. Yeah. And shoes kind of taper into a point, they tend to, and like your foot is not that shaped. So barefoot shoes have, they call them zero drop, so there's no heels. Shape of them, they almost look a bit like clown shoes, some of them, but they're <laughs> so comfortable. And I was limping at one point. Since I got them, I've had no pain for like months in my feet now. It's just changed everything. So well worth it. No way. It's weird. You think we're, you know, progressing in an evolutionary way but actually some of the things that we do are just backwards <laughs> yeah let's stop talking about shoes i know i'm the main <laughs> culprit here so the last video we did was talking about um things that should exist in the woodworking or workshop world i don't know if you saw a video by ben at crafty little maker but he kind of did a response to our podcast episode where we mentioned the adapters yeah where you can you know adapt a certain battery to fit a different brand of tool um, and I'm not nearly as worried about using them now as I was before because I'd kind of pictured them as being some electronic device 
on the inside, but he basically just illustrated the point that it's literally two pins and converting where those two pins lead to in the battery. So that's kind of inspired me to, to actually buy one and, and try them out. Yes. Um, from what I saw, the ones he used, they only did Ryobi to to something else. Okay. I think. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm definitely getting it because I've got loads of Bosch batteries. Mm. Um, but Bosch professional don't do gardening tools. Of course, yeah. yeah. So I actually bought a Bosch green strimmer. It's a different battery platform and a different charger. Mm. So actually, I'd very happily get... Ryobi garden tools because they have a bigger range or like I want a battery chainsaw yeah and Bosch don't do one and yeah so they're really good those battery things and yeah it's a good video and uh yeah he's a nice guy I met him at the first ever Maker Central oh cool yeah we'll we'll leave a link to that in the show notes if anyone hasn't checked that out you had a Ryobi hot glue gun do you have any other Ryobi stuff no that's the only Ryobi tool Ah, so so you've got a good way of testing it then. Yeah, that would be ideal if I could get um, the Ryobi hot glue gun working on Milwaukee batteries. That would be amazing. Yeah. So we've got a question from David. Have you looked at a Chinese diesel heater for your workshop? I don't know what a Chinese diesel heater is. I didn't either, um, but I saw a video recently of one by Vivor. V-E-V-O-R by Frank Williams Um, and he's basically done a bit of a review of one of these heaters that he's bought from Amazon and you basically just pour in diesel fuel as you would into your vehicle and it heats the workshop. Hmm. Where do the exhaust fumes, do you have to have a pipe going outside? I think you do, yeah. He does a diagram in the video where he shows how it all operates. I'm sure you'll put a link in the show notes. Yes, I will do, yeah. Yeah, he mentioned in the video as well that you could get something called red diesel. I didn't even know what that was, but apparently it's sold to farms and um, commercial premises for heating purposes. Yeah, you're not allowed to use it on the road. Right, and you don't don't pay tax on it or something? No, it's much cheaper. Yeah. I think canal boats use it as well. But then you have to go to a specialist place. Yeah, the trick is actually getting hold of it, isn't it? I think I think Frank mentioned in his video that um, he couldn't get it around his area. So, you know, he'd have to go and travel to get it. And by that point, you've kind of exhausted all the savings on it. Yeah. Me and you are quite rural. Yes. So I imagine we can get it very easily. But then you've got to store it. I think, like, the fire department would say never store more than, like, five litres of fuel even in your garage. And yeah. So you're not going to go and pick up five litres at a time, are you? Especially if you're burning it every day. We got a message from Lumberjack Tools as well. I think we've both mentioned over the years that we were keen to get our hands on trying out that TS-1800, which is the rebadged rigid one. The hybrid saw, which is kind of cast iron top, but with all of the features that you'd expect on a more kind of um, site-based saw. Looks a really interesting saw at a really interesting price point. Seven, eight hundred, aren't they, I think? I'm sure it's gone up by then because everything's gone up. But True. Oh, they're now 900. Yeah. It's very comparable to the Axminster craft one i'd say but Mm. it looks like it's got a a bigger work table and a stand and it's on wheels as well which is quite useful oh is it 
But yeah, they've mentioned that they're at the Newark Woodworking Show, Makers Central and Harrogate Woodworking Show. For looking at tools and things, I've always been more interested in the one that um, Peter's gone to a few times. I think it's the DM Tools, Kempton Park Racecourse one. If you just want to stall and stall and stall and stall of all the big tool brands, so you can actually pick up and look at it. That is, that's what that's more about, which is interesting. Cool. As much as I want to see it and I want to try it out, I'm not going to go to a show just to do that. And nor am I going to go up to their showroom in Nottingham. Is it in Nottingham? Somewhere like that. But I kind of said to them, if you want to send one to me, by all means, I'll have a look at it. And also, I'd want to use it for a good few weeks or months before I did any sort of review on it anyway. But someone else is kind of an ambassador for them. Sean in the Shed, yeah. Sean in the Shed, yeah. Yeah. It looked nice little videos. So what have you been watching recently, Matt? I have not watched any woodworking videos for about a month now. I've just been distracted with other stuff and haven't wanted to think about woodworking. I have been watching uh, lots of videos about filmmaking and vintage lenses and stuff, but uh, I can't think of their names and I won't put links because it's probably not of huge interest to other people. But I think sometimes... You just need a break, don't you? Absolutely, uh, yeah. And woodworking has been a main part of my life for something like six years. And I've just wanted to take a month off from it. Mm. So uh, I'm afraid I have no recommendations. I've not watched any of your videos, Keith. I have no idea what you've <laughs> been <offended>. doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you say, sometimes you just need to switch off for a while. And I can yeah. completely understand that, yeah. Oh, I did watch the Crafty Little Makers one, though, just because oh, yeah. he hadn't posted a video for years and it was short, and I did watch that. Um, yeah. So even though we spoke about it already, I'm going to cheat and recommend that one because it's literally the only maker-related video I've watched. Cool. So I've got a channel that um, I, I don't know whether this was recommended to me by a person or the algorithm, but it's a chap called Pete and his channel is called Northern Works and he's got some really good uh, woodworking videos about making quite sleek looking designs and furniture with minimal set of tools and all done in his garden and I kind of like that approach because it reminds me of how I was working seven eight years ago so it's been quite cool to watch Um, but he's doing things that are you know well refined and really well designed so it's it's been been nice to see subscribed i'll watch some of those tonight then that maybe get me back into woodworking (laughs) i think that's also you get stuck with them you're very good at finding new channels as i don't seem to be and i see a second video in actually is diy tool storage so um that's something i want to talk about in a future episode so that'd be good to watch excellent so have a happy birthday on sunday was it i think so yeah. yeah i i don't care about my birthday the best of times so i'm exactly the same mine was actually a week ago yeah last week what last oh Wednesday. happy birthday for them it was, a big, it was the big one as well as the big four oh <laughs> i'm two years ahead of you hidden it on facebook and all of those things and just i just don't want anyone to know and i just want it to go by with unnoticed if you know what i mean it's weird everyone else makes a big deal on my birthday and i don't care <laughs> but i said to everyone my family like i'm not going to see you let's just do it after the funeral because i just won't i just can't enjoy anything at the moment no of course yeah but then um i think what i might like to do is just walk to a local pub and have a couple of drinks because it's just so yeah informal yeah but kind of doing anything 
prearranged. Yeah. You just want something like chilled. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, great to have a catch up. Speak to you soon. Nice one. See you soon. All right. Thank you for listening. You can find Keith on YouTube by searching for Rag N Bone Brown and me by searching for Badger Workshop. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to help support us in making future episodes of the podcast. Link to that in the show notes. And we have a Workshop Banter Instagram and Facebook page if you'd like to get in touch, which is at Workshop Banter, all one word.